Corinthians 13. And I'm going to resist the temptation to read more. I'm just going to read verse 12. So the famous verse is 13, 13, but I'm going to read verse 12. For now we see through a glass. Can you say that? Through a glass. For now we see through a glass. Now you know that I teach Greek and I'm familiar with the Greek and many people are. That the word glass there is is something more akin to like a mirror, but it, that doesn't matter. That's why many translations say mirror, and it's no no bearing on where I'm going here. But we look. So I don't want you to think you're looking through the glass. That that's not the point of the scripture. We look. We see through a glass, darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. And the title of my message today is simply this, by and by. Can you say that with me? By and by. And we're going to incorporate a little bit of history into the middle of it. But could you lay your Bibles down? I'd like you to pray with me, and then I want to give you a little update here. Could we just lift our hands and ask God to anoint his word? Father, right now, I thank you for the presence of God that we feel. Ask, Lord, that you would anoint us and let your word go forth, Lord, as you would have it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. I want you to be seated for a moment. And uh, you can run and jump and stand all you want to, but if you'd like to be seated. Now, the um, we're, we're looking here at a couple more verses, but um, I'd like to encourage you to lift the coals in prayer. I'm saying it because I don't want to take it for granted that you will do it. I just want to encourage you to pray. Brother uh, and Sister Cole have lifted you up in prayer pra- practically every single day. These are, how many knows that they're prayer warriors? I mean, they are battle weary from praying for you and this city and this church all these years they pastored 44 years before we came and they've invested themselves in the worldwide in fact he was at a a meeting at a board in Tupelo when he when he had the accident and fell and and uh, broke the seventh vertebrae in his neck so the doctors in Birmingham where he fell have repaired that break and that's been quite serious in other words they went in they repaired a a shattered vertebrae. He also shattered this shoulder at least three places. I don't think we've heard an update on that, but they won't do anything to the shoulder, even though it's been now broken for over a week and almost a half, close to a week and a half, that this this right shoulder is broken. Nothing's been done to it. And they see three fractures in the shoulder, but it's so uh, in such a shape that they are unable to go in there and really look at it. They just know they see three. Doctor said maybe several more. And so they've repaired the, the break in the neck. And uh, so he's recuperating from what we would have to think of as a major neck operation at the age of 85. And God is good. How many knows that God is good? Praise God. Uh, we were apprehensive. I'm going to say it now, even though I know we tape these things. I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm just trying to tell you. I'm trying to update you. That it was very, very nerve-wracking 
because it was actually 48 hours because they were going to go in. They didn't. Then we waited and waited. And then they did go in. And then the family was there and different ones. They went into the surgery. It was about eight hours. And then they came out and they said, all is well. And I want to tell you, the Holy Ghost fell when they came in and said, all is well. And so they just be you. And you, <laughs> you, you know, Sister Cole. I mean, she didn't, she didn't mince any words. She told the doctor, bow your head. Brother French going to pray right now. Hallelujah. I mean, she just, he was shouting and praising God because that's the way Pentecostals are. Hallelujah. Because we're all about Jesus. And so it was a miracle. In fact, I want to tell you, I don't want you to not understand it. It is a miracle that he did what he did and shattered literally. If I, I can't describe it because it's not appropriate in the pulpit. But what happened to his neck, it really is impossible. Even the doctor said that it is, I don't know if, did they say, maybe Sister Fritz can remember. I, in my mind they said it. But they basically said it is a miracle. It is unbelievable that he can even use his legs. He has complete use of his legs, his hands, his arms. He's able, in fact, he, this morning he got up and ate breakfast. So I don't if it was what it was but he had breakfast and that's a miracle just a couple days ago so hopefully in the morning they're going to be bringing him to uh, Atlanta they've got a a rehab center where they're going to be working on that and deciding what to do about his shoulder but I'm also saying this I want to encourage you to be in prayer and to lift up both brother and sister Cole how many will do that can we try to put that at the top of your list to pray for Sister Cole. Sister Cole needs prayer. She, she's going through a tremendous time. In fact, it may be one of the great trials. That's why I believe the Holy Ghost spoke to me. He didn't speak to me to preach this today because it's Black History Month and it just happens to be that this is an element I've been wanting to weave into the preaching. The Lord's been telling me, I'm gonna, you just keep waiting. I've got a special place for that. But it is because I believe that by and by when the morning comes... We're going to understand. God is going to help us. And I don't want anybody to be uh, depressed or discouraged. I do, I do want you to be aware. I don't want you to be, you know, some people out of sight, out of mind. It's like, well, you know, I forget how, what the suffering they're going through. Like they never remember that someone else is going through a trial. But not God's people. We understand. But yet we still believe. How many knows that no matter what we face, God is still good. Anybody know that's true? No matter what you're going through, God is still good. Hallelujah. And I believe the Holy Ghost is wanting us to see that he's doing a miracle in our midst and he's going to help us. No matter what it is, he's going to help us. Amen. And so be in prayer uh, because every day is uh, a little bit more that is uh, happening that uh, is important to their well-being. And if you pray and undergird it. Now, I'd like to speak today to the issue of having faith when you don't understand. That's what I want to talk about. Having faith when you don't understand. When we ask ourselves, you know, for example, first thing, when I get to heaven, I'm going to say, why did, why did we have to grow old? I'm still confused about all that. You know, why did we have to, our teeth and our hair and, you know, couldn't we have kept at least our teeth or something? 
Uh, I want to ask the Lord. All, I've got all kinds of questions. I probably won't ask. Someone told me, you get there, you'll know the minute you walk through the door and so on. I, and, and that's probably true. But I, I still intend to ask. i got a lot of things. Why did they suffer? I want to know why they suffered. I want to know, was it, what was it the suffering produced? And oh God, I love you and I trust you. But I know that by and by, when the morning comes, everything is going to be different. And so I want to talk about faith when you don't understand. How and why does God work in the midst of our dilemmas? Now, part of the answer must be that we live in a sinful world and therefore God is able to see above it all and interweave and work in the midst of it all. How many believe that that's the kind of God we serve? Now, 1 Corinthians 13, 9, if you have your Bibles, you can. Maybe they'll throw it up behind me here. I'm going to go. I'm backing up a few verses for we know in part. Everyone say in part. Everyone say in part. We, we know in part. We know things. We understand. We have spiritual knowledge. We, we're, in other words, we have enough knowledge. We know enough to know that God is good. Everybody say praise the Lord. I may be suffering, but I know that God is good. Someone said, well, how? it's not fair. Anybody, anybody ever hear someone say that? It's not fair that I have to. Why is God picking on me? See, I hear this a lot. And, and it's, I don't think that's an un... un uh, I don't think that's so odd that people, especially if they don't know anything about divine things, that they would say, why is my little girl, why does she have this cancer? What are we facing? I don't understand it, Reverend. I don't know. I'm getting angry at God. I don't know what to do about it. We were sitting up in the AIDS uh, ward. Is this true, Sister Finch, that when we were there and... uh, it was, uh, it was our, okay, it doesn't matter which one anyway, because I, I get all these things mixed up. But so we were in the hospital uh, with our child, very critical. It says, French just tell me that it was the cancer. So I'm going to assume that's correct. Although I was thinking it was something else, but, but she's always right. And so, um, so we were there. Did I say that? Please stop that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and the, 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 uh, where we were sitting in the, our waiting area, if you look to the right, wouldn't they call that four west? Yes, four west. That's been many, 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 many years ago. At least 25 years ago that we were there with a child with cancer. And, and I'll never forget. Lord, this gonna, if, you, if you think I'm going to preach this and it's going to be easy, then you, you've got another thing coming. It's not easy. I'm here to preach the will of God that no matter what it is we're facing, by and by, by and by, when the morning comes, everything's going to be exactly the way God intended it to be. God is going to have it all worked out. So we looked to the right, and that was the what they call the AIDS ward. Is that true? That, that entire ward was AIDS? AIDS babies. Entire war. This is Chicago, folks. This is not a little piddly winks place. This is a pretty good sized place, one of the leading hospitals in the world. And that entire wing is devoted to babies that have AIDS. And I remember thinking, wow, I thought I was going through, and we were. But as you looked at others and what they were facing, we realized that we only know in part. For we know in part, not fully. And we, verse 9, we prophesy in part, that is, we don't know everything because we're not God. 
We can't know everything. Now, some people will use that to disbelieve and get angry or whatever. I mean, and and I, I don't think it's wrong to ask questions. I don't think it's wrong to ask why. I believe God wants us to ask why. There's plenty of Bible for it. I'm going to just let it go. But I believe it's okay to say, why, Lord? I need an answer to this. One of the most amazing things to me was Sister Cole reminiscing theologically as to why Brother Cole fell and why all this that took place in the parking lot of a McDonald's and the people that were running around. And, and I was listening and I had really tears in my eyes. I was feeling the emotion of it. And she said, I know there's a, there's a reason for this. And I thought, I know, Lord, I, we might ought to stop the tape. I don't know if I can say this. And, and in my spirit, I thought, Lord, this is really, this is one of those moments when I want to say, I'll never figure it out. Here's a man that's given everything, a man that's loved you, a man that's known around the world. And here in a little spot, in a, in a little road, but most people can't even find. And he's on the ground and he may not even, they didn't even know if they were going to be able to get him to a hospital before he bled to death. And all I could think of was, devil, you are a liar. God is going to make it all understandable by and by. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So maybe I'm trying to say, okay, I'm going to try to calm down. So maybe, maybe I'm trying to say to you, maybe you don't need this. Some of you may not need it at all. But I'm going to say it for those that do. If you don't understand what you know only in part now, there's a morning that's coming when you're going to understand all about it. Hallelujah. But when that which is perfect is come, let's just say that's Jesus. When that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away, which we know is specifically referring to, we won't need to speak in tongues in heaven and so forth, because those are supernatural things we're getting down here. For example, let's just say this is better. When you get to heaven, how many knows you're not going to need healing anymore? Because you're not going to be sick. There could be no more sickness so, and so forth. So that's all in part. Then it's going to be done away. So what he's really saying is we're speaking in tongues and praying for healing and all this. But there's coming a day. Does anybody feel what I'm saying today? <laughs> so you see, so one day we put away childish things because we grow up. Verse 11, I was a child. I speak as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things that is to say so just like when you grow up you're a child you need this so it is when we get to heaven down here we're just the children of god but when we get to heaven it will be different all that will be behind it behind us now this is uh my text verse 12 we're back to it for now we see everybody say that with me for now we see so we can figure out a lot of things and we can see circumstances but there is so much that we cannot know we just simply don't have the ability um i'm just, since i'm doing it and, and i'm making you uncomfortable anyway i'm gonna just just really pour my heart out uh and i get nervous to do it but uh my favorite person in the entire world that i've ever known was my wife's brother who died of cancer some years back, but he was born perfectly normal. 
But when he was just so many weeks old, he was made a special needs child because of a, a fever and what was the spinal meningitis that left him uh, his mind so that he, he never spoke completely clearly. Uh, he, he was a special needs person his entire life. And when you look at, Lord, why... And you look back and you see all the things that have taken place, all the good that might come out of it. You still say, Lord, I wonder why. Does anybody believe when we get to heaven that all those that were unable to walk and their minds couldn't figure it out that they're going to be completely whole when you see them on the streets of gold? Hallelujah. There are not going to be any cripples in heaven, no wheelchairs. There's going to be no special needs places where they simply can't get it together. Now, I'm not suggesting that makes me better than a special needs person. I'm simply saying that I'm able to read and write and and make my own way and drive a car. David used to want so much to... See, I'm very emotional about this, but he wanted so much to drive a car. And I was his favorite person. Now, Sister French, I'm sorry, but you were late. He loved you a lot, and really a lot. I mean, just gobs. And Sharon, he loved Sharon. But when I came along, I became the favorite. I was the favorite person. From then on, it was Talmud. He called me Tani. That's the way it came out. And uh, he wanted to know where Tani was. Where is he preaching? Because he wouldn't say it quite like that. And I became his favorite person. Every time we had a meal, Tani is going to pray. Everybody quiet. Tani is going to pray. He became, I became his favorite person. And so, uh, but I was able to pray the prayer he couldn't pray. And I was able to, to do some of the things he couldn't do. And so, but, but you can't help but ask yourself, Lord, why, 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 what, what is it about life that, that David was, uh, was this way? And then we have to wait to get to heaven. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you right now, there's coming a day when we're going to see him and he's going to be walking on the streets of gold. He's going to walk right up. <laughs> he's going to walk right up. He's, going to, he's not going to say Tani. Now he might say Tani. I don't know. He might just think it's Tani. I don't know. He can call me anything he wants to. But when we get there, he's going to walk up and I'm going to say, David, is that you? Is that you, David? Yes, Tony. I made it. What was the name? I'm just, since I'm emotional, I'm just going to be emotional. What's the name of the song we picked out for his funeral? Uh, no, no. If you could see me now. Anybody ever heard that song? It's one of the most beautiful things you've ever heard. I have a hard time listening to it now because of that, but uh, it's so gorgeous. But it's talking about someone that was uh, crippled or whatever, and then they get to heaven, and when they get to heaven, they're singing the song. If you could see me now, I'm walking on streets of gold. I'm talking to somebody today. I'm telling you that no matter what you are facing, that God is bigger than what you are going through. That God is great and greatly to be praised. We are looking now through a glass darkly. We can, or let's just 
clear this up real quick. The word darkly basically is a word that means very dimly. You can't see clearly. It's the opposite of clear. I'm not always sure, but I know one thing. I can trust God. I can't see it exactly the way it should be, but I can trust God. We don't understand so much that's whirling around us. Why do evil men prosper? Why do we have to face so much injustice, so much trouble? But Paul says, now we see through a glass or into the glass, yet everything is dim. We can't make it out. But he adds, the day is coming. Oh, yes, my friend. One of these days, then we'll see face to face. We'll understand it by and by. Can you say praise the Lord? So that's an old phrase, by and by. Can you say it again? By and by. It's what we call an idiom. Very few languages use idioms that make sense except in the context of a language. And uh, by and by is one of them. Now, you, you may not think of it as an idiom, but it most surely is. So you say by and by. It has no meaning unless you understand its context within the English phraseology in the Greek it's something else and I'm not going to give you the Greek you could care less I'm trying to tell you that in English we say by and by so that old phrase in English by and by says a great deal it's a way of telling the devil that I don't have to have all the answers I'm not telling God I have to be rich I'm not telling God I have to be whole I'm not telling God what to do I'm letting God be God because he knows what's best for me and when the morning comes he'll make it all clear weeping may endure for the night but joy is coming there's a morning that's on the way one of my favorite people in the Bible is a man by the name of Nehemiah everybody say praise the Lord now I would like you to preach with me but if you don't I'm preaching anyway so Nehemiah he lived in an era when the Jews were captured and the holy seat of jerusalem was destroyed and the temple everything was gone burned down gone knocked down every stone was knocked down nehemiah had become in this captivity he had become the favored uh, of the king of persia his his uh one way you say his name is art exerxes that's one way to say it now if you say it another way that's fine but in english it's not the way you would say it in of course i don't know persian so i can't Tell you much about that, which, of course, is modern-day Iran. But, uh, but it's basically Artaxerxes, and he was the uh, most powerful man in his day. And, and Nehemiah, a, a Jew, had become favored to the point that, and I always find this quite interesting, and it's another sermon, Lord, I know, I know, I know, all right, I know, that uh, he was appointed by Artaxerxes, to one of the most important posts that there was for a king, and that's what they would call the cupbearer. He would taste everything to make sure they were not, were not trying to kill the king. And so they had to trust him, that he was going to all the things that he would do. And that you would, after a while, that becomes quite an interesting post. Now, it doesn't make him king. didn't mean he was an official. He, he was an official only to the extent that he was a very favored staff of the king of Persia, the greatest power in the entire world. And uh, Zerubbabel, another interesting name, had become, of course, Zerubbabel, that's basically what it is, but Zerubbabel is its uh, English pronunciation, had 
returned because the city of Jerusalem had been destroyed, burned to rubble. The holy city was, was destroyed. And so what Zerubbabel did, God called him and said, I want you to rebuild the temple. How many knows that we need to obey what God tells us to do? doesn't have to be easy. Life may be, have all kinds of ashes. I know, I know there's ashes in life. Sometimes you don't even know how you're going to make it. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here. But God said to Zerubbabel, go build the temple. And, and then when they got done, they didn't understand it because they didn't have any walls. Jerusalem was destroyed. In fact, the only thing that was there was the house of God. But I want to tell you something. If you build up the house of God above everything else, you're going to find joy in your morning if you will come before him. That's what he did. Built the temple. Zerubbabel's gone. And there's a lot in here. Obviously, all you folks listen to this, the hundred million or whatever that's listening to this some other time on another platform in the computer world or is it called the computer world or the what's that called out there cyber cyberspace so all of you astronauts that are listening to this I know there's a lot in there I'm not here to just give you a rundown on Nehemiah I'm telling you that they built the house of God And then God put it in the heart of Nehemiah to go back and build the walls that would protect it. So he petitioned Artaxerxes, who was his his boss, his king, and... uh, he, he really laid his life on the line to do so. He petitioned to leave his position and go rebuild the city, not just the temple. And every day they were laughing that, uh, that they had built a temple without protection. And uh, there were men like Tobiah and Sanballat and others, many others. But uh, we read about him in the book of Ezra and different places like Nehemiah. And so God favored Nehemiah because it's very unlikely that just somebody walking up to the king of Persia and said, we want to go rebuild Jerusalem. I mean, that's, that's an opinion. That maybe, I, I can't say what would happen. I don't know, but I'm just suggesting. It's very unlikely that somebody just walked up and said, hey, man, I'm, a, uh, I'm so-and-so. I want to go real. No, no, they would have never done it. But God had positioned him right in the favor of the king. I'm talking to somebody here today. You need to recognize it may not be easy. It may not be what you thought it was going to be, but God has put you where you are. That's what he's done. Anybody happy with what God is doing in your life? It may not be easy. Sometimes listening to the preacher is not easy. You say, well, I don't understand that. I want, oh, oh, hallelujah. And so uh, did you know what Nehemiah did? He went and he built those walls. So that's the easiest, simplest way to say it. Of course, he rebuilt up the city, but he did so by building the walls that protected the city and, and every every thing that was done was reinstituting the city of God. And I know the devil thinks that he's going to destroy the things of God, but I want to tell you, there's not a devil in hell that can stop the power of God that is in his church. And we're building one brick at a time. Your children, you're building a brick at a time. I'm trusting God. And the devil thinks he's going to Slap us around and stop us. But he is a defeated foe. 
So he had to build those walls with half of the workers holding spears and watching for the oncoming enemy and the other half over there just working away. And they did that for a while. And the Bible said the only thing they stopped for was to change their clothes and wash them. Chapter 4, which is a good idea, by the way. I won't preach on that. But there is a time for everything. And so they would stop just long enough to get the essentials out of the way. They were so committed. The enemy leaders lied about Nehemiah in this way. And this, this is, I'm simplifying it because I'm trying to make a quick point. They said, huh, Nehemiah thinks he's tough because Xerxes sent him down here. And they knew they better be very careful. And I want to tell you something right now. When God gets ready to put his protection on you, there's nothing that's going to stop God from taking care of the needs in your life. And so uh, the Sanballat, these different ones, no matter who they are, I hate even saying their names, they make me mad. And so they said, this is what they said. They were trying to undermine Nehemiah and his uh, papers from Artaxerxes the strongest nation in the world that had said he could go and do exactly what he was doing. They were so mad they wanted to stop. And they said, he only came here to build this up because he wants to be king himself. And that's what they were spreading. Some of you have wondered, what if the devil gets a lie in here or there? And says, hey, I'll, I'll just knock them down and tell this little story about them. I wonder if God knows what they're saying. I wonder if God is bigger than that. Nehemiah said, I don't have time to listen. Don't care what you're saying. And I'm preaching to you today. Some of you are worried about things you don't need to worry about. God is greater than the enemy that wants to stop his kingdom in this world. The secret was Nehemiah did not let the work stop. He kept building. So if you can receive it, that is what God is telling you today. Don't let the enemy discourage you. I'm not saying don't look at how difficult the situation may be. Oh, that's, that's difficult. Oh, you've got, is that what the doctor said? Okay, I understand that. There are people that say, oh, no, no, just say you don't know. No, no, don't, don't be silly. Face what you're facing and then do not let it discourage you. Remember the scripture said, let us not, it would say not, let us not be weary in well doing because and I'm going to put it in my words because I want to give you a little uh, a little story here by and by if you don't let them stop you if you don't let them pull you down into their lie you're going to see and understand what was unclear why Lord why do bad things happen to good people now I want to uh, remind you of a little bit of uh, black history since it's February. And this is a a little piece I've been working on. I want to share it with you. Now, the song, I love hymns. And so that's why I've selected this song. Now, I had 
the message way before I decided to use the song, but we're going to pull them in together. Now, some of you may not know that the writer of that very, very famous, that is among Pentecostals, because he was a Methodist, one of the famous black Methodists of uh, the 100 years ago, was by the name of Charles Tindley. And there's a lot of things about Charles Tindley that I'd love to say, but uh, I'm, I know some of you are worried. But I'm going to say a little bit more, so give me a moment here. Now, he wrote the song in 1905. We'll understand it better by and by. He wrote another famous song. You may not know it, but I think many of you will remember this song. Uh, we sang it. I still I haven't sung it since I've been here because I can't find it, but I looked for it today. And I finally located it online. I couldn't print it, so I couldn't use it. But uh, we'll get to it in our hymn sing, probably. But he wrote a song in 1916 that, that he actually, I didn't know it was entitled this. I thought it was entitled Leave It There. That's, that's what I always thought it was. But I don't have it in writing, so I wasn't sure. But the, the title of the song is this long. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Anybody remember that song? Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. He was attacked in 1912, defending black rights in the city of Philadelphia where he pastored. He pastored a church. Now, he was hospitalized because he stood up for the rights of people of color and so on. And there was this crowd and so that's that's all in history. That's... uh, Part of the story would just pass by it here. But he was attacked, hospitalized, and because of that attack, he wrote the song, Take Your Burden to the Lord and Leave It There. You know, and I'm going to say this. Some of you are not going to like it. Every once in a while, you've just got to realize it's time to leave it with the Lord. I'm putting my confidence in the Lord. And so he was, he stood up for his rights, civil rights and so on. So he penned the song. And here's a couple, if I can remember them right. If you trust, do you remember the song? Anybody remember the song? All right, if you, I want to sing, but I I don't dare. Lord, please don't let me sing. Um, If you trust, (coughs) <coughs> the Lord, I told him not to let me sing, and he just did, he just did it. Thank you, Lord. Prayer. That's the fastest prayer you've answered in quite a while. Okay, this is uh, I think it's in the chorus, but 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 uh, I'm, I'm all worked up here. All right, so let me look at it again. They, they drag him off. He has been hospitalized in the downtown Philadelphia hospital, defending his right to be a Methodist minister. And people say, you, you know, you can, as long as you keep in a certain line, then it's okay. And so here's what he wrote. If you trust, and Lord, I want to say that. No, if you trust and never doubt, he will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord. And leave it there. Hallelujah. Can we just clap our hands a little bit? Thank you, Jesus. 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 You may not know that Tinley, Charles Tinley, was a Philadelphia pastor. But first he was of the, uh, they call it Tinley uh, Tabernacle, so I can't remember the original name. I think it's Calvary something, but anyway, it doesn't make any difference. He, it's now called Tinley Tabernacle, but uh, before it was Tinley Tabernacle, and there that building was, of course, the old building's gone now. They've built this great big thing. He was there 
know what he was? He was the janitor. Came to God, became the janitor for several years. And then God said, no, you know, you've been doing all this. You care about the house of God. But now I'm calling you up a little bit. Didn't have an education, so he worked his way through. He ended up with five separate major degrees, not because he went to Harvard or went to any of the, well, he did get a degree from the seminary there in Philadelphia, but he, he didn't go to the seminary. He got it because he worked uh, what we would today would call distance learning. He worked at it his whole life. He became one of the most educated men, but he never uneducated his faith. That one of these days, God is going to take care of everything. Can I warn you today? Don't let your money, your pride, or your education keep you from believing that God's going to take care of everything by and by. It is time for the church to recognize. Now, I know that Charles Tinley, I don't know everything about him, but I do know this, that when he died in 1933, his little church that he had been the janitor of, they had to rebuild, rebuild. And there, you can see it today, it's still Tinley Tabernacle, it's a giant building and so on. But before he died, they had over 10,000 on a Sunday morning because he believed that a day was coming. In fact, he wrote, the song his church became the largest holiness church on the east coast in philadelphia trials dark on every hand let's keep going I'm, i'm just reading the verse here and we cannot understand yes all the ways that god would lead us to that blessed promised land that's the that's the 1905 song yes that's true I don't know where God's leading. And sometimes I say, Lord, am I, am I to turn here? What am I supposed to do? What are you trying to say? Just hold on. Because I'm bigger than the waves and the storm. Somebody today, God is giving you faith that God could raise our bishop up and he could walk into this building completely whole and shock the doctors. And I know all that needs to be done, but God is bigger than our circumstance. Some of you need it in your own life. We cannot understand all the ways that God would lead us. Yes. So... Since that's true, we don't understand, then I guess we just have to give up. No. A thousand times no. Who would be singing that song? Trials dark. Sorry, Lord. On every hand. And I cannot understand. So I'm just going to give up. You know how far that song would have gone? 111 years ago, a man who was hospitalized, defending his right to even be who he was, a pastor that was first the janitor, is singing. I may not understand it. I do not know, and I cannot see it, All the ways that God, oh, I feel the Lord, would lead us. So, 
He will guide us with his eye. Anybody feel that today? Could we stand together all across this building? He will guide us with his eye. And we'll follow till we die. For we will understand it better. By and by. You know what I feel to do today? And I know all of us have needs. I feel like I could just pray all afternoon. I know that. That's, that's great. We'll just pray and pray. But I feel like we should pray for the coals. And you can then pray for yourself. But I wonder if we could just make a mass march to the front of this church. And let's just tell the Lord we're trusting him with the lives of these precious people. I don't want some other church praying harder than we do. I know they're praying all over the world. But come on, let's just come and take a stand. I'm not trying to be emotional. I'm trying to, I'm trying to urge you to pray with us right now. I want you to help me pray for the coals. And then you could just lift your hand and then pray for your own needs. Because he's going to guide you with his eye. And you can follow till you die. Because we're going to understand it better by and by. Hallelujah. Okay, y'all can sing anything you feel. I want us to lift our hands and let's pray together for a miracle. Lord, I thank you for brother and sister Cole today. Oh, God. Lord, I feel the anointing of God in that hospital room. You're settling in right now. What man cannot understand. What the king cannot understand. What medical science will never know. Is a God that is greater than our trial. Weeping may endure for the night, but there's joy that's coming. And so we pray for joy to come out of all of this. The devil says, no, 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 no. He'll never get over that. He'll never get that shoulder right. Lord, you can completely rebuild that shoulder right now. I pray that the the doctors will say, we thought it was broken, but look here, it's gone. Father, right now I pray for a miracle on behalf of Bishop. He prayed for me, and now I'm praying for him. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, take somebody. Let's pray for somebody next to us. What a day. Can you find somebody to pray for? Oh, 